Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. I hope you're all doing well. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode, well, it's uh, it's lovely. And I got to sit down with singer-songwriter Janet Devlin. Um, before we get on with this episode, I should do some thank you. So I'll thank Mr. 76 for producing this. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to everybody over at the Distraction Pieces Network. And I believe this podcast will be coming out um, in and around the New Year's Eve uh, time. So just a big thank you um, for all of your support for 2019. Um, You've made doing Off The Beaten Track uh, an absolute joy. Um, I've been super lucky to have sat down with some amazing people um, and listened to their their chats and their song selections and it's it's something that I really enjoy doing this podcast means so much to me it's uh it's it's, it's a real privilege to get to sit to you know in front of so many people that I admire and um and yeah and it's just an absolute bonus that you lot listen and send me nice messages saying that you, you know you really enjoyed it and things like that so it's uh, it's a win-win um yeah so I guess as we go into 2020, I'm hoping that there's going to be another year's worth of of interesting episodes that you're going to also enjoy. But right now, please enjoy Off The Beaten Track with Janet Devlin. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. 
and they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast and sitting opposite me today is Janet Devlin. Hello. You alright? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. How are you? I'm well alright, thank you very much. So we've never met. No, never. Literally met about a minute ago. Yeah. And you were just telling me that you're over here, well, I take it you're just doing some press at the moment. Uh, press and also just like, it's, there's so many things going on, uh, I suppose, with like... The, what, even though there's a song out, you're always working on the next song, yeah, with yeah. the next video, with the next project. So um, all the press stuff is like a nice bonus, but like I'm on the next one already. So, yeah. Yeah, mad. Excellent. Well, we always start this podcast uh, with track one, which is the song with the greatest intro. Yeah. Can you remember what you put for your answers or do I need to remind you? Oh my you? God, right. So I know this one for sure, Z's. Uh, okay. It's Are You Gonna Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. Okay. Right. Because, I mean, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, I know how old I was when that come out. And you're a hell of a lot younger than me. So, like, that must have kind of... How did that find its way into your record collection? I have zero clue. I don't... Um, I only listened to a lot of rock music between, like, the ages of 10 and 15. Mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of rock music. And a lot of country, but I just remember, like, if you had on, what was it? It was maybe, like, Kerrang! when they had, like, a classic czar they'd stick on some Lenny Kravitz yeah. and stuff. So I definitely spent my fair share of time sat in front of the TV watching all the music yeah, videos yeah, yeah. on Kerrang! and Skulls and stuff. So. so what I like to ask artists when they come on about intros, and, and this, is, this is really interesting um, because I'm curious as to when you approach writing intros or writing, you know, when you're, when you're putting together music, coming from somebody that made their way into the public domain via um, a, a, a reality talent show. Yeah. The television machine. Uh, the television machine, that's yeah. the one. Um, <laughs> then the way that that's put together is is very obviously it's heavily marketed and it's you know that the, the tracks are chosen because they're instant radio hits and mm. and so everything's very fast paced and instant yes um and so obviously that was then but now as you've matured as an artist you know aside from 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 what you was brought into the public domain for mm. now when you're working on music how do you feel that pressure to have an intro that is instant or are you more concerned as your music being just viewed as a piece of piece of art in itself 
Bloody hell. I don't... That was a loaded yeah, question it's, it's there, a lot. sorry. Yeah, don't you worry. Um, I don't think about it. Uh, I'm very much just like a go with the flow, everything happens for a reason type of person. So I don't know, like, you're, you're sat in a room and you're like, oh, when I've written the song, because like, I don't think I really think about the intro. These things kind of just happen naturally. Um, a lot of the times when you're just sat and you're running the song over and over again to see where the where the, the flaws of it are, you sometimes just naturally stumble upon a, oh, that was a nice, or yeah. why do, do you know what's really nice in that song? The, the bit before the pre-chorus, or, you know, or not pre-chorus, but like uh, middle eight, and you kind of just navigate it like that. I don't, I've never thought about it. Yeah. I just go with what happens. Yeah, I, I just, I'm always curious just as how, sort of now it does feel like that, I would Everything. say it's very different for bands. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that they, they've got, there's there's more of them, and if somebody's doing something really cool, then it's like, yeah. all right, cool, yeah, yeah, you, you start with that. Awesome. Yeah. Because like, that happens, like, on tour. Yeah. Because um, some of my songs don't really have intros. So you'll have, like, one of the guys just jamming out, and you're like, all right, you're starting the song like that. Yeah. So I get why the band mentality is more of, like, yeah. an intro kind of thing, like the intro for uh, Queens of the Stone Age. That seems like a very in the room vibey yeah. musicians off musicians. Yeah. Whereas when you're just in the writing room, it can be a bit. You just kind of go with what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Is that have you have you kind of? Do you feel that? Do you feel less? I don't know how to put this. <laughs> go be brutal. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just finding like, but you know, with uh, uh, somebody that's obviously matured as as an artist mm. do you feel at, you know the sort of weight of expectation that was was put upon you at a very young age does it feel very different now when you approach making music Ooh, do you know what when you when you go on a tv show like that no one even expects you to be able to write songs so <laughs> i think the expectations yeah. were quite or even low. A, or even <laughs> as, as a performer as a performer there definitely is a is a is a massive expectation but again me on that show it was more Hunger Games-esque, like, will she make it through this week with her nerves? Who knows? <laughs> like, so I think when I, when I get on stage and I can open my mouth and I can sing, yeah. I think most people are like, oh, wow, it's yeah. like, get it, you know? Um, but I've definitely grown a lot as an artist just from, like, playing gigs, touring small, small, small venues because you have to yeah. work your way up when you come Oof. off a show like that. You, you learn the tricks of the trade, how to talk to an audience, how to have fun. Yeah. while doing it because yeah it was a bit it was very gritty at the start playing those random clubs and stuff um so i've just yeah I, I i think what people get now if they go to a show is very different from what they would have got on my first tour yeah because that was horrific I'm being very judgmental. Like I, I was just about to say, never... would you change anything looking back? But clearly, you would. Then I, I, I can't, I can't change it because it's such a, it's, it's a definite journey. Like, um, like I, I wouldn't be the performer I am today if I didn't have. I remember, I think it was Oxford. I played. It was like the first night of the tour, um, and I was this the X oh, Factor tour? No, no, no. X Factor tour is grand. It's like a holiday right. camp. Here's your backing track. Get on. You rehearse for weeks. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's all good. Um, going on your own tour, though, and it was in Oxford, but my first, I just remember the first night of my first ever solo tour, just dying. Just. Really? Crickets. Like, because I'd never tried to entertain a, a room full of people that were only there to see me, really. 
and I didn't know where their expectations lied. I'd never played with a, a real live band before. We were doing a two track with the band as well. So it was like this big sound. And I was very small and scared and afraid. So like I drowned myself out on that tour. But I learned my lesson. Mm. <laughs> like I, I worked really hard on that tour just to like get better every single night. And then by the time I'd made it out the other end, I was like, okay, that was like a really intense boot camp. Yeah. And now I know where to where to get better and a lot of it isn't about things you can actually improve on a lot of it is just practice because mm -hmm. i went from being a schoolgirl in the middle of nowhere who'd only done a few open mic nights to being thrust into arenas to yeah. then be taken from an arena to like an intimate gig and that jump is terrifying because mm. arenas are the easiest do you think the music industry supports young people that are thrown into this industry where it's as you say one minute everything's done for you and it's an arena and everything's mm. prepped down to the you know probably how many the ice cubes you in your drinks yeah down to you're then thrown into a smaller venue you know that we've so you know them kind of live you know what what you know as, as a failed musician I, I, I was not you, me. And, you know, we we used to call it the toilet circuit. You know, oh, that, yeah, that, the that, toilet tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done my fair yeah. share of those. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, do you think the ups and downs? Do you think that the music industry has anything in place to keep people's minds where they should be for these kind of roller coaster rides? I don't think it's their job. I think. Really? It's, I just I don't think so. No, no. We're all grown ups. Even if you're a kid, you're in there. You know from just from words of mouth, it's going to be horrible. Mm. But if anything in this life worth having, it's going to be hard. Mm. And like, believe me, I've had my fair share of mental breakdowns of uh, in my head going, I'm quitting, I'm quitting. Uh, but you have to go through it. And I think it wheedles out the boys from the men yeah. when it comes to people who really, really want to do it. Yeah. Like, there's nothing glamorous about doing a toilet tour, especially if you've just done arenas. Yeah. And having fans coming up going, why aren't you being played on the radio? Yeah. Why is there not that many people here? And you're like, don't know, buddy. Yeah. I'm trying my best over here. Yeah. I plugged it as much as I could and as much as I could afford. Uh, thank you for coming. But it's, it's hard because, yeah, but it really puts your ego in check. Yeah. And it really does test you as to why you want to do it. Yeah. So if you've got a slum it out for three four years like i remember in those days i had like 25 pound a week to live yeah. on just had to do it just had to grin and bear it because i wanted a career the misconception is isn't it that these people are on the x factor and they've they've you know they must be millionaires <laughs> they're, they're on the television they've got to be rich yeah, and it's no. it's it's not how it works is it no definitely not i mean you get your good paychecks and stuff and um i just reinvested all my money like into my music you know so I don't, like, I, I do get the, the idea that people think that, yeah, you're minted. And obviously, like, you put only the highlights on your Instagram yeah, course, and your social course. media. Uh, they don't see you in a one-bedroom cupboard room, like, yeah. frying your eyes out because you can't afford the train fare to get to that, that, that meeting that you need yeah. to go to. Do you know, they don't see that. Yeah. But, I don't know, I think you need it. I think you need thick skin and it, it just... It's a long haul game if you want it to be yeah. a career and not like a yeah, fifteen minute flash in the pan X factor thing, okay. you know. 
I sound so brutal. I am a loving, caring person. I'm loving it. <laughs> it is. It, it's, 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 so, it's so honest. I'm loving it. Um, track two. Uh, Janet, the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. I don't even remember what I wrote there. What Tracy Chapman. Oh, my God, yeah. Fast Car. I don't, I am a, I'm a sucker for lyrics. That's why I'm a sucker for country music. Yeah. I love songs that tell stories and I've loved it since I was a child because obviously kids love like little stories. And that song just always broke my heart. And to this day, like breaks my heart when I, when I try and sing it and stuff. It's just, it's just gorgeous. And it's so, it's so anti-hit because it's just a nice song with a nice riff. It's not a big all singing, all dancing kind of chorus. It's, it's just... not, but it, I think I was probably maybe 14 when this came out, and all of a sudden, you could not move for Tracy Chapman. That album was massive, <laughs> you know, and, and it was all off the back of this track. And it was, and it's not necessarily pop music. It's, you know, it's, 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 it is quite, it's very folky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I, I do think what you just said, the storytelling element of it, and yeah. the fact that it's a, it's a beautiful record and her voice is to die for. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, it's just gorgeous. I just remember it was like, just, yeah, just that song hitting me in a way that, like, I don't think music had hit me yet. But I was very young. How old? Yeah. Ooh, oh, my gosh. Was I was four or five? Like, okay. And what would that emotion have been? I think, I think at that age, you're just about let down. <laughs> Do you know when things just when when you kind of have those little moments as a child where you realise that the world doesn't always work in the favour of people? Yeah. That feeling, just like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. That the world just doesn't work out. I thought it was all happy ever after. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> lies, absolute lies. Yeah. So I just. Mm. So where was you born? Hmm. Where was you born? Where was I born? I was born in uh, in Northern Ireland. I was born in. Uh, in a skillin of all places, but I was raised in Gorchin, which is in the absolute middle of nowhere. Okay. Because I don't even live in Gorchin. I live two miles out of that tiny little village in a field next to a forest. Is that still Northern Ireland? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so growing up then in, in, in somewhere that sounds pretty remote. Mm, very. Was there a lot of music around you? No. Parents have like stereo and music on? My, 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 my parents... We, it was more like radio. Yeah. I listened to a lot of radio. I loved the fact that my parents had... We had, we had Sky from a very young age. Uh, humble brag. But... Uh, <laughs> we, we, oh, that big shot at yeah, Sky. Yeah, I know where I had Sky. <laughs> Living it up. Uh, but it was great because like there was music channels. Yeah. And I listened to more of the music channels than I did watch kids TV or yeah. anything like that. So I think my parents were happy about that. Yeah. Because there's going to be so much... Of like the rugrats you can take Coast. when you've had four kids, you know. So I just remember always listening to music. My babysitters, like, had great music taste, mm. and to this day still do. Um, that's where my like affinity with the Red Hot Chili Peppers comes from. And I remember crying because I couldn't go to Slane Castle as a child <coughs> to see the chilies. Yeah, I was very upset. Yeah, uh, but I think they let me make a sign for them or like a T-shirt. I remember decorating something yeah. that they were going to take with them. Obviously, they probably didn't, but that, I felt like I was a part of yeah. it. Uh, and also, just on a random side note, John Frusciante is back in the Chili Peppers. Yesterday, I saw that was yeah. announced. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did I almost cry? Yeah. <laughs> Did I tweet out at 6 o'clock in the morning about it? Absolutely. Brilliant. Because he is my, like, ride or die when it comes yeah. to music. 
Guy's a dude, right? Every, everything he touched turns to gold. And it's just... Not that I didn't love Josh, because I, I follow Dot Hacker and all that stuff as well, like his soap projects. And I was very glad that it was him that filled John Prashanti's boots, but can't fill John Prashanti's boots. John Prashanti is John Prashanti. He's the king. I have all of his EPs, all of his albums. <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a massive fan. <laughs> so... But yeah, as a kid, I babysitters had great music taste. Uh, my parents always let me have the music channels on, and uh, I used to do competitive horse riding. Uh, and I remember uh, me and me and my dad traveling a lot for like maybe eight-hour drives. And my brother, we had we had LimeWire, excuse me, virus machine, and I would print out all of like my favorite country music. So it was like Hal Catchum, Garth Brooks, all that kind of stuff on these CDs because I knew my dad liked country, so. We were tailoring to his taste, mm-hmm. so I listened to. Oh, I remember Moby being a big part of my life because of my babysitters as well. So it was very eclectic. Like I didn't have like a specific. You've not mentioned genre. any Irish music yet. Irish music. Oh gosh, well I played in a Keeley band. Oh right, okay. Yeah, so that came quite. That just was a thing. I remember being three years old, my grandfather babysitting me while my parents were at a wedding, and because uh, my parents weren't there, I was able to grab my brother's tin whistle. They're very loud. They're very aggressive, especially when played wrong. Mm. No one, no one would let me play it, but because my parents were out, I ran. I got it. I taught myself "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star," and it's yeah. I remember showing my granddad. I was like, "Granddad, look at this. Look what I taught myself." Because he was half deaf. Like I could have been up there playing yeah. anything. He didn't mind. So then, whenever I actually asked him to listen, he's like, "You got to play that for your parents when they come home." And I did. And then that led them taking me to, to muscle lessons because you don't get to play to muscle till you're about eight, seven, eight in school. So it was like, I don't know. I remember then just joining a, like a Keely band thing on like a Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, which then led to me learning the fiddle as well. So it was just a thing. I remember getting my first solo in the Keely band and that day trapping my finger in a door and having my nail <laughs> hanging on for dear life and uh, like having it wrapped. And I still did my solo with an inflatable finger. Well done. So thank you very much, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Made the newspaper and everything. Woo! Okay, let's talk about school. Track three. (laughs) The song that reminds you of your time at school. Oh my gosh, yes. I was an emo child, so it's obviously my chemical romance. I'm not okay. Yeah. That's... I'm still a massive emo, and again, they have reformed. They have. I did cry. I did. (laughs) I did. I don't care. I have no shame. I was a full-blown emo. Yeah. And I loved that. I mean, you, you couldn't have been a full blown because I'm looking at your ears now and there's there's no huge holes in them. No, I wasn't I wasn't allowed to cut, dye, or do anything with my hair. <laughs> so I was like the most oh, I don't know, I had like long hair down to my waist that was frizzy. I looked like cousinette, but frizzier. And uh, <laughs> but at heart I was an emo kid. And I remember uh, in Northern Ireland at the time, no one wore Converse, no one wore skinny jeans or anything like that. It was not a thing. So um Obviously, I got ripped to shreds. Oh, really? Uh, Emo uh, wasn't a big thing where you was? It was so... Like, to listen to rock music in my class, when everyone was listening to DJ Sammy and the mix, 2K9, do you know, it was not... It was not socially acceptable. Yeah. And I got picked on. I didn't care. Because there was, like, a community element to rock music that I love. Like, I remember being, like, 14, 15, getting the bus to the city in my emo clobber, like, with my eyeliner on, absolutely dreadfully wrong, just looking an absolute show. But, like, lining up outside a venue, waiting to go in and just, like, meeting, like, the the support acts and, like, uh, getting them to sign stuff. Maybe even getting, like, I remember getting a drumstick at a gig. Like, I loved that. Who did you go and see? 
that gig, who was that? I remember my passion played. Right. But it wasn't my passion who was headlining. Serpico played. Was it Kill Hannah? It might have been Kill Hannah or it might have been my passion. I don't know. Yeah. But I just remember getting my passions. I have hoodies and stuff. I've like still got my drumsticks. Brilliant. Like I'm cherishing my emo days. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm never going to let it go. I saw something online the other day. There was that really iconic photo of that guy with the kind of the, the, the emo haircut with the purple bits in the front that was used on every emo meme ever. Yeah. Yes. yes. Do you know the one I mean? Yeah. And like, he's got quite a long face. <laughs> They've found that guy now. And I, was, I read this big article about all these iconic emo people and what they look like now. Oh my God, amazing. It's, yeah, it's worth a look. I'm definitely gonna. I'm so gonna. <laughs> I think it's more, I, I, I have a major props to anyone who still dresses like an emo. Yeah. I'm like, do you know what? You were ride or die. Yeah. You go you, you know? Like, they're the one who's going to be, like, 60 with, like, yeah. the, the, the biker jacket yeah. and, the, and the nose piercing. And well, like, you, you know, you still see you still see goths. You know, goths have been repping it since 1980. And you know, it, takes, like, it takes a lot of gonads to be a yeah. goth, and I appreciate that, you know? <laughs> I, I think it's great. You do you. Um, how was school? Did you enjoy it? I was a massive nerd, uh, so I loved it for that. Hated it for the bullying, but as soon as I got to 14, 15, it was 15, um, they wendled the classes again. So, like, I just basically got put in the super nerd class because it was like semi nerds, like, mixed in with mm. regular people. And then, uh, yeah, I got put in the full, full blown your nerd class, and it was great. I loved it. Like, um, I, I don't know. I just everyone there was like a nice community element again of like, I don't know. No, you're not cool because you're smart. Yeah, you had a thirst for knowledge. I did. Yeah, but I also had a, a thirst for having a good time in class. So um, I used to do a lot of private tuition. Because, yeah. Especially science class was the crack. The crack was ninety in uh, triple award science. Right. So I remember just uh, always after school just going to like. After school activities. I went to yeah. Saturday school for Lord's sake. Like I, yeah, nerdy. Nerdy was it. That's not very emo. No, but you can be an emo nerd. There was a few, <laughs> there was a few of us. There was about six. You know? <coughs> if you're already like ostracized or ostracized from society, you may as well go full on. Like yeah. I'll be an emo and a nerd. Yeah. You know? Complete outcast. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, what about your, your sort of creative side? Was that encouraged at school? Yeah, so I learned... What was I doing in school? I first picked up guitar um, when I was about 11. I enjoyed it, but I'm very impatient and I've got the attention span of a rodent, so I never really stuck at it. Um, but enough to like play and write my own songs and just chill and hang out. Um, I then picked up drums at like 14. Loved it. Had a blast. Because in my head, my dream... My dream was to be the drummer in an all-girl punk rock band. And I was like, that was that was the, the goal. I was never, I never thinking I was going to be a front woman of anything or like that was not my jam. I was such yeah. a nervous kid. And then, yeah, t t like, t the reason why the whole TV thing happened was because I was, um, I was singing in local singing competitions mm -hmm. to raise money to get my drum kit. So... I just wanted this pro, what was it, Pearl Form FC kit in Alpine White, and it's sick. And I did get there in the end. I did get it. Because if you placed in these singing competitions, the prize money was like 200, 
300 pound, you know, that's not even first place. So I was like, boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this kit. So I started yeah. doing these competitions uh, because everyone was saying that thing. They was like, oh, you got a lovely voice. Ooh, doo, doo, doo. And I was like, oh, sure. So doesn't everybody, we're in Ireland for crying out loud. Yeah. Everybody's got a nice voice. So <clears throat> I just never saw it as a thing. And then my best friend bought me a video camera and made me upload YouTube covers. At like I was like 15 when I posted my first YouTube singing video. So uh, that kind, one of them took off. And that was your song. And I remember like getting subscribers and comments and being weirded out and being, what is this? And at the time I was living with my grandmother. There was no Wi-Fi phone signal. There was like three channels on the TV. I was I, I lived in, in nothing. So at the weekends I'd go out to my parents' house and um, uh, record YouTube videos and stuff. Yeah. And that led to my mom saying, you know, you can send in these videos to X Factor now. Did you know that? And I was like, oh, I don't think that's for me or fear of rejection, all that stuff. She's like, what's the worst that could happen? They say no. I won't tell you they say no kind of vibe. So yeah. she sent it in and snowballed from there. Yeah. So it's all started from me wanting my drum kit, which then I ended up not really playing because like I have a fear. I had a fear and I still kind of do of making too much noise. <laughs> Like I'm not, I've, I'm noise shy is what it's called. Right. So I'd only practice when there was no one in the house. I mean, in my early days I did practice. Yeah. And my parents were very supportive and my dad would give me songs to learn on the drums and yeah. stuff. But then, I don't know, the older I got, the more shy, the more insecure I further got and I stopped playing as much. So. Fear of being heard playing incorrectly or fear of yeah. just being noisy? Yeah. Oh, both. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, I hate, like, random loud noises. Yeah. Well, I did. I used to just yeah. kind of go inward when it happened. I mean, f- fuck, mate. Drums are the <laughs> loudest possible things you could ever have sat behind. I know, I know. <laughs> but it was, like, it was that thing that when I was younger, I was like, I want to be the drummer in an awful yeah. punk rock band. Yeah. Like, that's, that's it. I'm doing it. I don't care. But realistically, I should have just bought an electronic kit. I would have been fine. But I was a child. Leave me alone. I wasn't that smart. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Well, speaking of buying things, what's the first record you bought? Um, Why am I saying record? It would have been a CD, wouldn't it? it Sorry. It's all right. (laughs) Uh, It was the Old Brother Wear though. Okay. Uh, Soundtrack. Right. Still one of the best things that's ever existed. It's incredible. I ended up buying, I think, three or four of those CDs because I kept burning them out. Really? <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, that might that either was because I was playing them so much, or I kept putting them in the jukebox, and the jukebox was like not, not a very good jukebox. Yeah. So. Well, explain that. The jukebox. Yeah. Uh, we had a pool shed in my house. So, like, we had a big shed outside, and then there was a pool room, so we had a pool table. And, like, me and my brothers would go play pool, and we had a bar-sized jukebox in there. How fucking cool was that? I know, right? <laughs> it was great. And I used to write all my songs out there. I used to yeah. sit on the pool table in the freezing cold yeah, uh, and just write write songs in there. But, like, I, I played that record out. That and, like, Elvis Presley's Greatest Hits. Favourite Elvis song? It's, it's sentimental now for me, and it's kind of fallen in love. It's not my favorite song, but I sang it on X Factor, and then my grandfather died, and he was the one that really loved that song, and he never got to hear it, blah, blah, blah. Long story, emotional, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it's definitely one of my favorite songs. That's my first dance at my wedding. Oh, <laughs> see, it's such a beautiful song. Like, it honestly is. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so, <clears throat> over the word, though. One, great movie. Can you remember where you bought it? The first one. <sighs> the first one was, uh, there was, like, one... Oh no, there was definitely more record stores. Why did I pick that one? I don't know. There was, uh, it was down, I, th- I think it was Market Street in my local town. It was just a wee CD shop. And I remember going in, they had it, so it was fine to pick up. But for the rest of the times I had to go in, I had to get them to order it in. Yeah. And in those days as well, you had to order your gig tickets in there. Yeah, that, that was a thing. That was a thing. Yeah. I remember any time I wanted to go to my silly emo gigs. They're not silly because I love them. But like I remember having to go to be like, can I get... Two tickets to yeah. see this band in Belfast. Yeah. That was the thing I totally forgot. Yeah. Mad. Well, for track five, Janet, I've asked you the song that soundtracked your years in Clubland. And it's always an interesting question, this one, because um, I've interviewed, you know, bucket loads of DJs, mm. producers, musicians, and most of them either were working in the clubs or just weren't really into it. Mm. And so when you messaged me back saying, I've never been to Clubland, yeah. I was like, well, that's not a bad thing. A lot of people I'm haven't. not even particularly sure what Clubland is. Well, I guess by that, I mean... I mean, Like in, like the club, like, like nightclub yeah. things, yeah, where they used to play a lot of dance music. Yeah. Almost like where they would get those Clubland CDs. Yeah, that okay. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. no, I. Uh, there was definitely a big like disco, like club yeah. land scene when I was growing up. 
I don't know. I never went to one. I remember all my brothers, all my family, they all went because you used to get the cart there and, you know, that's where people went to date and stuff. Mm. So I had other stuff. I had video games to play and songs to write, so I was not there. Um, so after X Factor, the mm. X Factor tour, how old was you at this point? Uh, on tour, I was 17. Right, so... I, I guess technically you were too young to do stuff like that then, but... Oh, I know. I still went to nightclubs. Right. <laughs> so, was that something you you enjoyed or did you feel like you should have gone to... You know, no, you... there was free booze, so I was there. <laughs> that's, a, so, that's the answer I wanted. Yeah, so, like, honestly, like, I was just there to have a good time. And just, yeah. uh, like, I don't drink anymore, like, but when you're 17 and you're, yeah. you're like, literally getting bottle service... Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know, you're going to be there. Would you dance? No. You're not a dancer? I did when I was maybe like 16 or 15. Then I realised pretty quickly that no dance moves look that good when you're a limmy gal. Like, I'm all limbs. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just <laughs> nothing's going to work. So I just don't anymore. Yeah. I, I dance jokingly now. Right. Like, I full on am a parody of myself. And what about when the door's shut? Do you like to have a dance on your own? Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Stick on some like Lizzo and just dance around. Heck yeah. Limbs all over the place. Yeah, full on <laughs> limb party going on. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> um, all right then. So, uh, we, we won't hang around in Clubland then because, <laughs> no. uh, yeah, you just wanted your, your, your bottle service. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> who can blame a 17 year old if that's being thrown at you? Exactly. Um, I mean, what other stuff was was almost jarring at that point to come out from on you know on arguably the biggest TV show you know in the UK mm. to to then you know get caught up in this thing like how how, how crazy was that? Um, it was very isolating um, because at the time I remember we get the, we got a speech whenever we left the show they were like. You're bigger than Andy Murray in Wimbledon season, guys. Three out of four people in the UK watched the show this year. You just got to be careful. And I just never... You live in a bubble when you're doing the show, so you don't really think about it. Um, And then I couldn't go anywhere. And at the time, I was very, very, very socially anxious, and I had the lowest self-worth ever. Um, I used to think people were always, always taking the mick out of me. Um... Uh, so when people would come up and go, can I have a photo? I, I never was like, oh, it's because they're a fan or they like me. It was always, oh, ha ha, now you can post this on social media and joke about me, great. Have a, f- ha- have a photo. You know, it, it was... Every time? Every time. My self-worth was scraping the floor. Why? Uh, I was dating a toxic guy who uh, backed me up on all of my insecure thoughts. So whenever I was like doing TV, one, he never wanted me to do it. And then when I was doing it, I remember being like sat in hotel rooms with him and he's like, your voice isn't even that good. You're not that unique. You're this, this whole thing is just like why the media love you so much. I have no idea. Blah, blah, blah. Like it was always this constant abuse, really. So I thought in my Fuck head, that guy. I know, but in my head, I was like, this guy I can get on board with. He's the only person speaking the truth. So I I thought everyone was against me. I thought the whole world was playing this sick twisted joke uh, against me, and I just I was yeah I was in a very bad place. Oh, that's tragic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what hey, an no. absolute wanker. 
Yeah, what a douchebag. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's a nice guy now, though. So I mean, people do change, and mm. I know, I know, I know. But like, he was a musician at the time as well. So I mean, I like. I think they call it jealousy. Yeah, I hate that word though. <laughs> Track six. Yes. A favourite song from an artist from your home county. Home county was hard. I know. Because Tyrone is... Quite remote, you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to well, go country, And right? also, like, when it, there, Ireland has, like, the counties all represent things. Of course. Uh, so you do have, like, the, the, the musical one, mm-hmm. the writing one. Mine's just fighting. So, I mean, we... <laughs> I struggled. Uh, so yeah. I just picked a Northern Irish act. I don't know if they're even from... I should have asked him before I came on, but uh, I forgot where he's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's JC Stewart. Mm-hmm. And he's got a song called Madison, which is gorgeous. Uh, and I've I followed. Do you know what? When I met him, this was the weirdest moment of my life because I literally put this song on loop. Anytime a boy broke my heart, I was sticking this song on. Do you know what I mean? It was this song. And he's just, he was just, he's younger than me. He's from NI. And uh, I just never thought to be like, hey, you're great. Uh, and I was at, um, where was I? I was at a Lewis Capaldi gig and he was up in the area that I was in. I was like, JC Stewart, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And uh, we had this bonding moment um, over the fact that he went to see me do like a speech thing, like some music panel conference okay. thing where they were asking a baby me about the music industry, <coughs> which is a terrible idea. But um, he actually went to it. So it was like this weird full circle, like, your music's great. Oh, wait, you know who I am. That's weird. I don't like that. But his music is class. Why is it crazy that you're on a panel talking about a music industry? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think I, I in, in some regards now, as someone who does have more self-belief, I think I've got a, a, a very different opinion or a very obscure way of how the music industry has worked for me or how I've made it work for me um but I always feel like it's bizarre because who wants to hear the advice of someone who went on tv because even before I went on tv I used to be like that's the back door into the industry it's not like it's it's really hard then for people to think you're cool I think it's the fast track into the music industry yeah but it can come at a cost that's my yeah. personal opinion that you, yeah. know, you get put right to the very top very quickly. Yeah. And then, as you said, you can then be playing very small venues. Yeah, I think and what then, people forget, though, the music hardcore are like, oh, it makes you like super popular, blah, blah. And it's like, with, with what? TV fans? They're not exactly buying music. <laughs> so you, you, get, you get TV fame or whatever, but it's not musical credibility. It's not, uh, it's not validation in any way to do with that. It's just like... And so, You're a singer. Good job. But what you see time after time then <laughs> is people that just go, well, I'm not doing this little gig. Oh, fuck this, I'm going to go and do something else. Yeah, a lot of people go and do jobs. You dug deep. I tried really hard. Yeah, I just, I don't, I, I don't think I can do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I just genuinely, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> What what would I do? I yeah. have no idea. But you're doing what you love and, and credit to that. I know, That's exactly. The... Like making music and making like YouTube content. Those two things have been the two things that were like from when I was, what, 15? I think I made my first YouTube video when I was like 13 as well. So it's like music and YouTube have been a part of my life. So mm, feels weird to not do that. And I've, I've never had a job, so I wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah. Anybody that can not have to get a job 
yeah. from being on a reality show to, to where you're at now. You're winning. That's why although, you're. That's why you're on a panel, mate. <laughs> although there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting a job to support one's art. Yeah. No problem with that. My pro- my my issue at the time would have been. I couldn't leave the house without yeah. <laughs> getting recognised, and uh, it would have yeah would have just been a bizarre situation. Yeah. Would have needed. How do you do with it now? Uh, Are you I'm aware just... that if people come and have a fight with you now, they're <laughs> not doing it just to put it on social media to go? Lol. Yeah. yeah. Um, I try my best. I think it will always be my default. It, like it'll always be like my 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 baseline. But I I put a lot of work into like. I'm very vocal about it online, my mental health and all that kind of stuff and the struggles I've been through. I'm definitely in a much better place with it. Um, but yeah, if I'm if I'm not working hard at looking after myself and my well-being, it's very easy to fall right back into that. So that's why I asked, you know, do you think that the, the music industry has, <laughs> you know, enough in place to prevent, you know... Oh, it's, I think, oh, because it was worded differently. It's like, do you think they should... And I'm like, mm, we're we're all people. We're all in charge of our own yeah. feelings. It's no one else's. But my point being, if if I worked in a factory and You'd be or careful. I worked in a bank, and I said, look, I'm having a really bad day. Yeah. Like, you know, my mental health is not in a good place. There'd be an infrastructure to yeah, of course. protect and you know have a duty of care. Yeah, I think it just comes with the territory, though. There's no big boss man. Do you know? You're mm. not working for a company. Most of the time. I mean, some people obviously... It's, I think it's different if you're like... See, I'm an independent artist. I don't have a major label. I don't have a major publishing house or anything like that. So I don't have that to fall back on. Mm. Um, so I don't know what the what the gameplay is in those scenarios. But yeah. like, realistically, like I think it's because I've, again, had to work really hard. I've had to crash, fall, burn and pick myself up so many times that I am a bit brutal with it. But it's... I suppose it's because it worked for me. Like, I... <coughs> when I got to 20, I think that's when I realised... I woke up and I was like, right, no. We're getting on this self-love train. <laughs> like, it's it's going to be a hard journey. And I had to rewire my brain into, like... The pain's not comfortable. It's familiar. And there's a very big difference in that. And I, and obviously, when you work really hard on yourself... I think the, the main point is, like, when you work really hard on yourself, everything else in your life becomes easy. And also, as an artist, if you're broken... It just makes your team's lives harder. They have to work around you. Whereas if you just took an extra hour a day to look after yourself, you're making everyone around you's lives easier. So that was something I had to learn. And also I'm aware. And the reason why I'm probably very cutthroat with the the whole thing is because you can't force feed someone this idea of you have to look after yourself mm-hmm. and you have to care for yourself and your mental well-being. There's no rule book. You've got to do yeah. what works. Yeah, but you, you can't make someone. You can't, you can't make someone quit smoking. You can't make someone quit hating themselves. You know what I mean? They have to... I mean, obviously, if it gets really bad, there are you know, facilities and stuff that help sure. people. But it's really the most... Because a lot of people I know in the music industry have suffered with these things. Mm-hmm. And the people that are still working really hard on themselves are the people that had to just hit that emotional rock bottom. And like I hit my bottom emotionally like a million times, but apparently you can keep digging. (laughs) So I did. And I, you know, if I was leaving X Factor thinking everyone was, I thought I was a joke. (laughs) You can only imagine how much lower that bar got. So I had to find it somewhere. It was like a weird mental epiphany of like, if I can work so hard at being so mean and cruel to myself, 
and still be doing this as a job, imagine what would happen if we started like believing in ourselves. Yeah. Fun game. Let's try it. So I did and it, it worked out and like, I don't know, I'm a human being. I still have really horrible days and stuff, but like ground zero, I still, like if I make a mistake, I'm like, ah, I love myself. It's fine. I just, say, I have to say it out loud. And then I said, oh, it's okay. We're good. We're good. Wicked. Last song. Ooh. A song that many may not know, but you would like them to hear. Yeah. So it's it's a cover. Mm. I know everyone's going to hate me for that. Like, there's so many original songs I could have put down there. But when I heard this cover, I was, I'd heard the song in a new light. Uh, and I just, I wept a million times. <coughs> I just thought it was brilliant. And it's uh, Vincent. Uh, but not the Don McLean version. It's, um, oh God, his name avails me now. James Blake. James Blake. Heck yeah. So James Blake does a cover of that, but it's a piano cover. Mm. And you, this is when I when I think some covers deserve good props, is when you hear the lyrics in a new light. And that is one of them. That's yeah. like, because it's, it's about mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about, oh, when, when, when the time, you know, obviously the, the not Vincent Van Gogh. It was Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh killed himself. And it was this idea that, you know, if times, when times change, people understand what you went through, Vincent. And, you know, we'll move on with the times and stuff. And now here in almost 2020, the times have not changed. We still don't know. And we're still very cruel about the whole thing. And I, when I heard that song, that cover of it specifically, I just remember crying. Because I was like, it's also a friend of mine music friend of mine had uh, taken his own life as well in that in that month uh, so it was all very real it mm. was like this especially in the creative arts it's a very depressing at times an isolating environment mm. uh, so I just felt like that song just resonated with me my situation and I felt like it resonated with other people so it's a beautiful record it's so good mm. Just even the original, the original is The original is stunning. Yeah, so it's it's just one of those things where I just liked it because I loved the original and I loved that, that didn't take anything away from yeah. it. It just was its own little thing. <clears throat> but it's definitely a song I wish more people would listen to, but I have played it to people. And whenever they don't listen, because some people don't listen to words. Mm. I get that. I'm an egotist because I love words. Um, but when people are a word nerd like myself and they listen to that song, it's, you can't unhear it. Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> Wonderful. So what's happening? What's happening? Mm. <laughs> what's life? going on? Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I just I've taken I've taken six months to live in Ireland. Uh, because I realised a lot of things. Um, I'm in like a launch mode kind of time, so I don't really specifically need to be anywhere which is amazing. Uh, so I took advantage of that. I moved back home and I've lived there for six months. Because also, I like writing at home. I like the, the, the space because again, I live in the middle of nowhere. I also realised I was, I never really was, since going on the show and, and pursuing my musical career, I wanted to learn how to be a good daughter, a good sister, a good auntie. You know, I'd never been any of those things because like, you know, this kind of job, like, you put yourself 110% in it. So you don't get the chance to be those things. Uh, So for, yeah, the past couple of months I've been doing that. I've been doing some solid self-care, which has been fun. Again, coming back to the whole, like, loving yourself and stuff. It's been 
it's been fruitful. I enjoy it. I've learned to drive. I'm learning to drive. I haven't learned to drive. I'm working on that. Doing things that I never would have done. Um, but it's working well because I'm writing a lot more poems and um, my poems then become songs. So it's a lot of good, a lot of good stuff, which is nice. Although the Wi-Fi can <laughs> die in a hole somewhere because it's so slow. But it's been nice to go back to my roots, especially with the record that I'm about to put out, which is... Well, shall we say Celtic pop? I don't know. It's very, yeah, it's very my roots and and what I. There's a lot of like I would say probably a lot of like religious imagery in there, but I grew up very Christian and stuff, so it all makes sense. And it's nice to have a, have a record that sounds so Irish and be in Ireland because I don't know. It just it feels like a nice full circle yeah. approach to everything. I don't feel like I'm lying. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if I was still living in London for this promo phase, trying to big up Celtic tracks, going, haven't loved in Ireland in nine <laughs> years, guys, <laughs> feels a bit... Uh, I would definitely just get more imposter syndrome yeah. than what I already have. Okay. And where's the best place to send people to go and have a look at what you're doing? Ooh, um, it honestly depends. So if you're just if you're just here for the music and all that kind of stuff, then where you digest your music. So if it's Spotify, Amazon mm-hmm. Music, or anything like that, YouTube Music, um, I'm on all of the social media platforms. I have a YouTube channel where I talk about absolute nonsense, post music videos, post behind the scenes of music videos, so all of the creative content and things like that. So it just depends what people want to hear. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in and having a chat. No, it's all good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to my nonsense. (laughs) Thanks, mate. There you go. Really, really lovely chat, that. Uh, Janet came into uh, our offices in in East London and uh, was was a really, really chirpy force of nature and uh and, and i was i was trying not to cough throughout the whole of that episode i was feeling a bit poorly and uh and yeah what a lovely little rare sunshine to come into the uh the office and uh and brighten it up um yeah wonderful um i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did recording it and thanks for listening please um like, love, share, retweet, and all them things you can do on the social medias. Always drop me a message. Tell me what you thought. Tell me you'd like to see me have a chat to. And, uh, and yeah, the best thing you can do is um, go and leave a comment on iTunes as well and subscribe. And, uh, and yeah, and if you enjoy this podcast and you're wondering about other podcasts, check out www.podbiblemag.com because that's the magazine I do with um, Adam, who does all the artwork for these, and Mr. Scribius Pip. I don't need to tell you about him. I'm sure you know all about him. I don't need to massage that guy's ego. Um, yeah, so go and check out podbiblemag.com, because um, that's the mag that me, Adam, Pip do. And, uh, and yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're super proud of it as well. So um, thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance 
of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the display. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.